Guys, we are back after a one-week hiatus. We got our no-filter segment with Ray King, former Major League Baseball pitcher, and NFL free agency is starting to get right around the corner, and Dak Prescott has a new deal with the Dallas Cowboys. That, and did anybody watch the NBA All-Star game? This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie. Guys, it's good to see you all, man. And we apologize. We did not do a show last week due to some technical difficulties, but we're back and we got a few things to get off our chest. And, and for those who have just found the show for the first time, give it a chance. And if you like it, make sure you follow, subscribe, find us on social media, especially Facebook, because Facebook sucks and we're trying to rebuild that. And if you don't like our show just move on pretend like it never happened but we hope you enjoy at least something that we're bringing to you tonight some shows are better than the others but they all come from the heart just remember that this show is better than others like I, i'm not trying to be egotistical i'm just telling you those are facts 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 don't care about your feelings right damn right <laughs> and don't forget it's we don't know sports 2.0 yes the 2.0 but you know it's hopefully we can drop that eventually but you know facebook sucks and i don't know if anybody's ever had this happen before but you know we got hacked by pakistan and then we came back and we posted one meme one meme of people climbing the walls of the Capitol and said that this is what the NFL playoff race looks like. That was it. No violence. It was strictly about the playoff teams, the ones at the top or the playoffs. The ones climbing were trying to get there like the Dolphins. And then, like, my beloved Raiders were down at the bottom. Right. It was nothing violent at all. No. And that has put us in Facebook jail for eternity. Over 60 days. Probably forever. Forever. Eternal damnation. Because I think I shared it with Mr. Brown. I saw it on Instagram. Kevin Hart had the exact same picture, but he had a di- different caption, and it had 3 million likes. Yet I'm, that yeah. one. We're not Kevin Hart. That's put us into purgatory. Yet. But we will be. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're about the same height as Kevin Hart. I think I would play center on his basketball team. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, might, you, might, you might do that. Yeah. So we, we do have a, a couple things to get to. Uh, just starting off, let's go right into the NFL. So Dak Prescott got a payday. And it's – I don't have the terms off the top of my head, but was it four years for $136 million? Four years, $160 million with uh, a $66 million signing bonus, which is the largest in league history. Correct. So I, I'm just going to ask you, Biggie, is this good, bad, middle of the road? Like tell me if you're the Cowboys, if you're a fan, how do you feel? If you're Dak Prescott, how should you feel? Well, if you're Dak, you're happy because you've got a lot of guaranteed money. As a Cowboys fan – you maybe hate that you gave him that much money where he's coming off the injury. But like you had said on the show a couple weeks ago, you looked at this year's franchise tag and next year's, you were paying him what you were guaranteeing him now to be your quarterback for the next two years. You didn't guarantee the two years after that. So in four years, he walks, but you have him for four years. Yeah, He could have got $90 million in guaranteed money from franchise tags the next two years. Yeah. I don't know if, if Dallas would have done that next year because it would have been so high and then he could have hit the market and maybe he would have got more. But then what if he comes out this year and plays like shit? Yeah. See, I think what Dallas did and people are kind of crapping on him for the money they gave him with the cap going back $16 million this year and they have other needs to fill, but they decided we want him. We can get him for the next four years at this rate, which is less than two franchise tags plus a contract. Right. I, honestly, I thought it was a good deal when I looked at it and I'm not a Cowboys fan. 
I probably believe in Dak Prescott at least a little more than I know Biggie does. Mr. Brown, I'm, I can't remember. I mean, for me, as a Dallas fan, I'm fine with it because obviously he's better than anything that's going to come out of the draft. He's yeah. proven. And then unless you're going to try to trade for like a Russell Wilson type, he's better than what's out there. Right. So, I mean, it is now, do I think they'll ever make a Super Bowl with him? That's another discussion. Right. And you know what? Honestly, four years, like, that's not that bad, really. That was the biggest thing I looked at. Like, I was making sure it wasn't a six- or seven-year deal because you've seen how many teams have moved on to, from quarterbacks they just signed, like, decent deals with, and they've already got rid of Goff. They got rid of Wentz. And yeah. he's kind of in that same era, you know, for the most part. And and I know people are getting upset that he's getting Patrick Mahomes' money. He's getting Patrick Mahomes' money on the short term but not the long term. Yeah, and the other thing, if I were a Cowboys fan, the only thing I'd be concerned about is you're getting Dak back off of a horrific injury. You're not getting the same quarterback who put up those gaudy numbers for the first I don't know, Marcus Mariota somewhere is like, what the hell, man? How come I break my leg and nobody gives me a payday? I think they need to be more worried about that Ewok at running back. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do there? Hasn't shown up since he got paid. You know, if I'm he a Cowboys fan. The baby's gap and, you know, you know what I mean? What's he going to do? <laughs> eight and eight wins that division. So, yeah, baby, we're a playoff That's team. It, man. That's man. You can sit there and say you could have a losing record over the next three years and make the playoffs twice and be like, see, we're a force. We're a juggernaut in the NFC East. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. But the Cowboys are probably going to be eight and eight, right? I would agree. If Dak's healthy. They have too many other holes they need to fill. If they hit a home home run in the draft this year, maybe it happens, but they need to rebuild their offensive line, and they got some deficiencies on defense. And part of the reason why you sign Dak like that is if you look at the free agent market, which is where I kind of want to go now, like what's out there in free agency really? Like so many people got franchise tagged. Everybody's already under contracts for the most part. If you were the Cowboys, unless you had something behind the scenes where you were going to be able to get Russell Wilson because he put you on one of his, his, his list, uh, there's nothing else out there better than signing Dak. Yeah. Unless you work out one of these blockbuster trades. Yeah. And unless you're John Gruden, it's not happening. Yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm foreshadowing Mr. Brown. I hear you. I think, I honestly think with that division though, their ceiling for me is 10 and six. Because yeah. you got three teams you could absolutely beat up on. Because with Dak playing, they're the better team of the four. In yeah, my, my opinion. I, I mean, he, he's definitely the better quarterback uh, out of out of that division. I mean, what's Washington doing? You got Hurts in Philly. I mean, yeah. the Giants is probably the only team you got to watch out for. The Giants are probably going to be the best overall team in that division next year, but I don't know if they're going to be good enough in any one area. Saquon. I really think if Saquon can come back, stay healthy, and Danny Dimes can take a step forward to being a – top 14 to 16 quarterback, that would be the Giants' division to win because they are solid in a lot of different areas. To me, the biggest question in that division is the Redskins. What are they doing a quarterback now? They let Alex Smith go. Yeah, and I know everybody's upset about that, but I, I get it. Like, you, it makes you gotta, sense. You got to move on. His cap number was too big. Yeah, because when you signed him, he had both his legs. Yeah. <laughs> so just saying. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, the, the one guy that, you know, we've had people on the, on the show when we talked like Ravens fans, and I've seen it in social media everywhere. The, the darling of free agency was going to be Allen Robinson and the Bears. No, like- man, let me tell you, that was moved right there. Now I work with a guy. Ruben, he's a Bears fan, and he loves that move. And he says, now we just need to get us a quarterback. The one thing we <laughs> couldn't do was let Allen Robinson go. Any guy that can get a 1,000 yards with – Mitch Trubisky yeah. and Blake Bortles needs to stay on our team forever. That was like the hot name in, in, uh, at wide receiver. Kenny Galladay didn't get the franchise tag from Detroit. Yeah, but 
he's a stud, but he can't stay healthy. Allen Robinson, to me, is the best wide receiver who could have went to another team. He's kind of like an Andre Johnson. You know, he's he's going to play on these like suspect teams that probably don't have anything else, but he's going to put up these miraculous numbers. And I mean, because he's over he's do, uh, over a thousand yards every year, uh, almost double digit touchdowns, and it, he just just going up and getting. He's like Hopkins. Yeah. Like remember Hopkins before they got Watson, yeah. like he was still putting up numbers. Didn't matter who his quarterback. Was. I mean, but the bear, the most Bears thing ever would be for them just to go out and get someone like an Alex Smith. Yes, it's not going to be. They're yes. not going to get a superstar. Yes. Call it now. Is that a prediction? I Can we so. go ahead and yeah, let's make that happen. The Bears have a trade package rumored uh, for, for Seattle, right? Yeah, where they're given two firsts, a you know second, a fourth, Camille Mac, and a defensive starter. Yeah, it's Mac. Give them Mac as long as you keep Rokon Smith. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think overall value as a player. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, we'll see what happens. But the Bears, like, do you trust their front office to do anything? Oh God, no. no. I mean, it's it's so bad. But the 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 thing. Go ahead. I just got one question for you. We talked about salary cap a few weeks ago. Uh, the Saints were the biggest team against it. Have you paid attention to some of the cuts they've made so far? They made a lot. Yeah. That team's going to look a ton different next year. And all I see from Drew Brees, who we all expected to retire, and his cap number to go away, he's posting workout videos. Yeah, so apparently that's why they're cutting everybody. It's like, we'll give one more shot with Drew, but, like, do you really want that? Uh, I mean, that, that's uh, – it's it's not good. Sorry, Drew. We love you, but it's it's time to hang him up. page. It is. Uh, so the, the last thing, just in free agency, uh, so I know um, – uh, what's his name for the Bucks wide receiver? Godwin. Godwin. Godwin got franchise tagged. Yep. I was surprised by that one because I know Tampa doesn't have a ton of space, but uh, wide receiver tags aren't that expensive right now, so that that works. But like you got, um, you mentioned him earlier for um, Detroit. Kenny Galladay. That, that's it. Yep. Like I mean, there's some like old ass Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I get wow. Let's get really excited by him. Well, Tim Tebow is not walking through that door to throw. <laughs> But like, unless you need a thirty-four-year-old left tackle, like there's there's nothing out there in free agency. See, I think the Bucks made the right move with their franchise tag. Godwin is awesome for that offense. Uh, they let Shaq Barrett go into free agency, but reside Levante David. I'd be interested to see if they reside Barrett or not. But to me, the franchise tag for Godwin, who is younger, and they see him as the number one, was the right move for him. And l- like you said, we were talking about Allen Robinson. If it's not Robinson or Godwin, who else do you want? Do you really want Galladay? You can't stay healthy. No. Get AJ Green, baby. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Can either one of you guys think of another wide receiver that's on the market right now that you'd want your team to go after? No. And, and honestly, what's going to happen? The guys that are out there, like. Maybe Galladay might a little bit, but these guys aren't even going to get paid. Mm-mm. Like it's it's not happening. the The most attractive wide receiver is is if you're building a trade package for Beckham. Yeah, I would say he's not a free agent, but we should consider him in this discussion because he's definitely moving on. You think so? Yeah, for I mean, certain. Cleveland did better without him. Yeah, yeah. I think that Cleveland did better without him, and they see him more as a asset to rebuild other parts of their team. I agree. And plus he's kind of cancerous anyway. Yep. It seems to be that way. Like I hate to say that. Sell high. I can't say definitively that's the case, but it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And then imagine if you just take all that cap money you're spending on him, which is a lot for a receiver, and then you're able to fill sure up the defense, yeah. the offensive line, whatever you need. Because they kind of built their team a lot around. I mean, they got Njoku, another tight end, Jarvis Landry, a short passing, and run game, Hunt. Chubb. They still got those guys. Yeah. So they're not going anywhere. Yeah. 
build the rest of your line or build your defense more. Maybe Baltimore can go get Beckham. There you go. Lamar Jackson with a true wide receiver that he can overthrow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Beckham's definitely going to the Bucs. The Bucs? Yeah. Get out of here. They can't even afford to make that He's playing for peanuts. Uh, It's not his choice unless Cleveland cuts him. (laughs) Get out of here. We did have the NBA All-Star Weekend here this this past week. And before we even get into that, Biggie, my question to you is, I need you to rank in order your favorite 10,000 NBA jerseys this year. Um, all I'm going to say is that if I can throw throwbacks into it, I can make a list. <laughs> I can't do the jersey where LeBron's a Lakers forward with a Michael Jordan swoosh, a wish symbol, and something else <laughs> on it. The, like the jerseys are killing me. I hate it. When they came out with the ads, I thought maybe they would be like bigger are, all over. Why are there so many? I don't I, I don't know. Like, I posted this in your basketball group, and some dude's like, okay, Boomer. I'm like, <laughs> you can't sit there and beat the classic Lakers, Celtics, Pistons, Bulls, just to name a few. I mean, what's wrong with using your vintage that's that's when your teams were selling. Like, why are the Celtics wearing a jersey tonight that has to? It can't say Boston. It can't say Celtics. It just says Boston Celtics all jumbled together. It looks like, like a Y League. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wild it does. League jerseys. It looks like softball. Make sure we get all our sponsors on there. I don't like it. You know like what the jerseys low, I like? Made these jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> You're like billion-dollar franchises. Why do you need teams that logos it's on COVID your jerseys? It's COVID revenue, man. That's what it is. Like, you know what? They lost ticket sales, so what do you do? Like, You I- call up China, and you say, I need 1,500 jerseys for each franchise stat. I'm fine with like the, the stitchings of the, the sponsors. I mean, I'm not fine with it, but it don't bother me as right. much as seeing that classic NBA jersey. Like if you had that classic Celtics jersey, like because we're watching the Celtics and Nets, the the classic green, white lettering, you know. And like the Nets are wearing one I've not seen before. Yeah. And, I mean. <laughs> and for God's sakes, bring back the like the 90s Drazen Pedrovic Nets yeah, jerseys. Yeah, that, that powder blue. Those you are know, so nice. One of the jerseys I really miss, I, I enjoy, is the old school early Jordan days Bulls where they had like Chicago and cursive. Yep, yeah. yep. Just yeah, and that's the jersey itself was up, enough. Bring out the throwbacks. That'd be great, you know, but. Why do we have to have like Vice City and uh, that's the worst in the San Andreas Clippers jerseys? <laughs> I can't even believe they did Vice City on their court. Like the court looks god awful. Uh, it, it's so so bad. I, I'm just you know I guess you know okay boomer. That's what we are. Like it's fine. Like but I'm on brace it. Like I don't need to have that many different jerseys. But the NBA needs it because you guys are sheep and are going to keep buying it because you're morons. Well, it's so revenue. I got to get the new LeBron. Right. I mean, it's, it's stupid. Anyway, there was an all-star game. Was it stupid? Because I did not watch it. Uh, the all-star game I watched a little bit of with Isaac, but not too much. And it, it, to me, it's stupid. They changed the format last year where each quarter is scored individually in the end of the quarter. Oh, yeah, they got them weird rules. It goes yeah. to the charity of the captain's choice. Yeah. It's just weird. And I, it's good that it goes to the charity of the captain's choice. But to me, the whole game is a sham. They play... No defense. When I watched this as a kid, and this is another okay boomer thing, you know, they'd go up and down a little bit for three quarters. In the fourth quarter, winning team got a little extra money. They'd lock in on defense. It was fun to watch. The fourth quarter is what you watch. Now, I can watch the first couple quarters. You see a bunch of lobs. Zion goes crazy. It's, it is what it is. I enjoyed watching because Steph Curry was shooting from half court and making them. I don't think Greg Freak missed a shot, right? 
16 for 16. <laughs> MVP, right? Yeah. Yeah, heavily contested in the paint. Yeah, What's exactly. funny is his like first 13 shots, 12 or 13 were dunks or layups. I'm surprised. And he goes for this like crossover fadeaway three, and all the announcers are like, no, and he banks it in and he just shrugs his shoulders. Uh. He's I caught it. <laughs> Nailed it. My, my my favorite part of the weekend, or actually just the night, because on Saturday night I was like, I want to watch, you know, three-point shootout. Wasn't on. They did it all day Sunday. Or uh, three-point shootout and skills competition were before the game. Dunk contest was at halftime like it was way back in the 80s. Um, three-point shootout was a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's the only one that, too, that's the only one that kind of holds the test of time, right? Like the three-point shootout. I think so. I mean, and you notice that there's more stars that come out for the three-point contest than any anybody would even imagine on the dunk contest. Right. You have studs out there doing a three-point. Like, it should be... You know, I'd be happy if it was like only all stars can compete in these events. I agree. That would be great because then you might, you know, but but do you really want to see a 38 year old LeBron in a dunk contest? I don't. I mean, but no. there's so many all stars that could have done it instead Correct. of him. I mean, he's he, he's put it off this long. He'll never do now, it. I know Biggie's got yeah. something on his mind, but I just want to throw this real quick because we ain't even going to talk about it. But the skills competition is hot garbage, and all they do is find like the most Fat, on, pudgy white guys and put nah, in your Montes Sabonis. You can't, Come on. you can't compete in the other events. So Sabonis we'll give you this. Junior, you're going to run it over, man. You're going to hey. run these uh, skills, skills competition skills that we did in sixth Sabonis. grade basketball camp. It's Europeans. They really Sabonis. want to know the fundamentals. <laughs> Winning that as a six eleven dude, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I no, what I was going to say is when you said you know Throw only all stars can participate in it. I do agree with you to a point, but I'll say this: Mike Conley. Oh, it was only in a three-point competition because Devin Booker had to sub out with a knee. Mike Conlon, we don't remember him as a big-time three-point shooter through his days in Memphis, and now he's down in uh, good ball Utah. Utah yeah. yeah, He lit it up. He did good. Steph Curry had to go on a run at the end to beat him on a buzzer beater. His last shot won it over Conley, who had like a score of 27. So Conley played out of his mind. Yeah. So know. here's a guy who wouldn't have been there anyway. And I mean, you forget him now because he lost to Steph, but I enjoyed that part of it. So three-point competition is always good. Dunk contest, I didn't see it. I, Garbage. People were saying somebody got robbed or the judges. Yeah, there bad. was one. Well, I watched the start of it, and no, I'll I was say this. say it. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go, go, go. I had a few takes on the three-point shootout. Okay. So, one, you got the big stars. Two, I like the fact, because the game's changed so much, it's all threes or dunks. I love the fact they threw in those two long shots with the, the Mountain Dew balls. balls. I think that's a good wait, change. Wait, wait, wait. What? what? They, instead of just going around the – the arc like you normally do. Yeah. They put uh two long uh Mountain Dew balls out further long range. You had to go out and shoot and they were worth three points each. Really? Like a whole rack of them? No, just, no, one. just, just one. So it be- was green for Mountain Dew. Gotcha. Between the wing three and the top, yeah. they had one on so each you could side. Step back How many and- more you had to do it, but you had to take it in order. I got How you. many more feet back was it than the rest? It was like, like eight. It was a good step back. Yeah. So like 32, 33 feet away. Uh, what's three point line? 23, 24. So yeah. that was 30, 32 feet. I like okay. that touch. And then also just Curry being hurt last year came out there. And basically, there was rumors in, in the locker room that he walked in and says, "Who's playing for second place?" Like Larry Bird, uh, and he came out. I and he, like that. He came Give out. Me some fire. He came you out know, and did his thing. They asked him about that after the after the game too. Reggie Miller did ask him, you know, so you pulled the Larry Bird. I won't take the warm up off. Who's playing for second? And all he said was. I walked in there. They knew what I was telling them. <laughs> <laughs> See, why can't we get more of that? That's yeah. great. But it, so glad Steph wins. Uh, you know, he, he's still showing he's the goat. For it's the- oh, effortless God. for that guy. It was crazy. 
watching him shoot was beautiful, especially his second time around where he's shooting those deep balls. And he he just he releases it, looks at it, holds his hand like he knows it's going in. And because he's such a great shooter from distance, and I'm sure he practices you know the the round all the time, there was no rush in anything he did. No. Yeah, that's just what he does. So so dunk contest, what happened? Oh, so the guy Cassius, uh, I can't remember his last uh, Cassius Stanley. Nobody knows these guys. <laughs> he he plays for the Pacers. His first dunk was a fifty. He came from the right side. Went up between the leg. I mean, it was nice. Biggie got a 44. For everyone. He got robbed. And there's why the dunk competition sucks. Because they've seen that dunk or stuff so impressive, so similar, so yeah. many times. Nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's only and how do you if he had been, like you said, an all-star. If LeBron James was out there dunking, people would be in. They'd, they'd care. So I, I have one thing. I just want to say this is how you fix the all-star game. This is what I would do. And it will never happen because the players would never, ever agree to this. But you got 10 guys on each side, right? 12 guys, whatever. How many How many guys? Is it 12 on each? Yes. All right. So that's 24 people. All right. So we have we have this little one-on-one tournament, games to, to 10, you know, Ooh. and just – you draw names, you know, however. Like, it could be anything. It could be Harden versus LeBron, you know. Could you just imagine how many people would watch that if you just had one-on-one? Because that's all the All-Star game is anyway. So, let's just go – a one-on-one tournament. Just go one-on-one tournament with the All-Stars. And then, like, like that's that's almost like winning the damn NBA Finals. Like, if you, if you come out All-Star weekend and you're the guy that wins that, but they would – talk about how exhausted they were because mm-hmm. that'd be a lot of games but you're only playing to 10 you know and just- to top that off though i mean how many internet debates is there who wins one-on-one now we would get to see it live yeah. on national tv I mean, i'd love to watch like go bear out there trying to like what if you got matched up with somebody like curry yeah like what what does that mm-hmm. look like who gives whose advantage is better right. i guess yeah, Chad, that's an excellent idea, and it should happen, and that's why it never will. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, but it's just because the players won't do it because guys don't want to get shown up. Yeah, you know, the last thing you would want if you're LeBron is to have Curry beat you in a one-on-one game. Oh, absolutely, and, and it could happen because what if Curry hits like the first three three pointers he takes? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, he's getting a little edge, and LeBron can just back him down, right? But you're trading twos for threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and, and screw uh, Curry. I mean, I don't think LeBron could beat Kawhi Leonard one on one. I mean, right? Well, I mean, how does that look? I mean, he plays defense and can shoot. This would be great to watch. How is this not must see TV? Why is this not a That's thing? That's a great idea. It'd be amazing. Chad, you need to write a letter, or I'm yes. sorry, someone should write an a email. What's wrong with these guys? Write yeah. it to China and have them send it to Adam Silver. Dear China, tell Adam <laughs> <Yeah>. Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler, I said. Adam Silver. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about now. You had me thinking I said Sandler. <laughs> I know! What is up? We don't know Sports Nation. Now is the time that we ask fans all across the world to take off the filter, rip off the Band-Aid, and tell everyone exactly what is on their mind. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for No Filter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming back to the show from the sunny skies of Southwest 
Arizona. I guess he's down in the Phoenix area, somewhere down there. Mr. Ray King, former Major League pitcher. Ray, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. And yourself? Man, I can't complain. It's actually in the uh, high 60s here the past couple of days, so that's not a bad thing. But I know you're you're down there got with warmer it. weather than us. Really? How's that even possible? I know, but only for a couple, only for a week though. We'll let you have your sunshine for a week. We'll that's take a, it back. That's all right. I'll take it now. And then when you <laughs> when you guys have 115, you can have that. I hear you. <laughs> uh, how you been, man? You you've been doing well this past year. Survived the uh, the the terrible year that was 2020, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy, but, you know, we all survived. And, you know, fortunate enough, I guess, I can say fortunate enough for Arizona, we didn't shut down like some other states, so we still had some things to do. So hopefully on the back end of it, if we can get back to what we somewhat call normal. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm wondering, because I know you're down there in Arizona, and I know they got fans in spring training. Are you planning on trying to swing by anything while that stuff's going on? Well, I've seen two so far. I went out to the Rockies, and then I went over to uh, Milwaukee. So they're letting about, you know, fifteen to 2,000 fans in. And, you know, just like it says, good to be in a stadium and you know, see some baseball and sit on some grass and drink a cold beer. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad day at all. I mean, I, I, I opine for days like that. I, I feel like I remember what it's like to go to a baseball game, but my God, it's been forever. Yeah, like I said, you know, it's good to be back. And then I was reading where Texas is going to go 100% with their opener. So, like I said, hopefully on the curve and some baseball fans get back in the stadium and see some great game of baseball, what it is. Yeah, but can the Rangers even put 100% in? When's the last time they actually filled their stadium? Uh, I think it was opening day last year, right? <laughs> uh, it's probably, that's, nah, we couldn't go to opening day last year. That's why it'd be two years well, ago. Well, a year I before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just giving them a hard time. I know the Rangers are going to be super competitive this year. Not really. But, you know, it's hey, there's always next year. We'll say that right after uh, opening day if you're a Rangers fan. Sorry, Rangers fans. I don't know if we have. Everybody's much. in first place opening day. <laughs> that's right. All right. So let me ask you this, because you, you play, how many different teams did you play for again, Ray? Uh, let's see, Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Colorado, Atlanta, uh, five. Okay. So that's a, that's six. a, that's a health. Yeah. Okay. Six teams. So I believe that's kind of a healthy mix between the grapefruit and the cactus league. So you, you spent time in both for spring training, right? Correct. Correct. Did you have a preference? Did you prefer Florida or Arizona? I mean, you, you live in Arizona now. I so. love, I love Arizona by far just because of the travel you know i think the furthest travel in arizona you may go you know maybe 45 50 minutes going from goodyear to mesa okay versus florida you can be on there for like you know two or three hours so mm. travel wise here is by far the the greatest and you know you home early and you don't have to you worry about that afternoon rain in florida and the humidity so arizona's gonna be sunny and warm that's the place to be then. So so let me ask you this, since you were with so many different clubs, I, I know every team has a little bit different approach when it comes to spring training ball. So from the outside looking in, we were talking about this before we brought you on the show. You know, there are some teams that have very wild, different philosophies when it comes to spring training. Is that something you got to experience while you played? Was, was it pretty consistent or were, was every team treating it a little different? Everything was treating it different. You know, the teams that, one and knew how to get to October. It was more or less laid back like Atlanta. Yeah, I remember coming to Atlanta, Bobby Cox, all right, boys, let's get ready for October. Don't get hurt down here. <laughs> Liam Mazzoni, the pitching coach, is like either you're on the bullpen mound or pitcher's mound. If you're not on one of them, get off the field because I don't want nobody to get hurt. 
and versus Milwaukee, where, you know, we went through, you know, continuous things that I think were over used to where, you know, you spend a whole day, you go in at seven, eight o'clock, you're there at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just, you know, I think it was overworked, but, you know, teams that trying to get there don't understand it or don't quite get it the way you Atlanta and St. Louis, where there's times I was on a golf course by 10 versus <laughs> other teams. I was, you know, going to get a drink of water, going back to do PFPs. Okay. So you, you got some that are treating spring ball almost like it's October, you know, and the other ones, you know, you're just getting your feet underneath you. So I, I assume you prefer that one. It sounds like what was, um, anything different with the facilities? Cause it seems like it looks all the same from the distance here, but there was, was there any, any club you're with that you just really enjoyed the digs down there versus another team? Uh, well, you got, you know, special man with Atlanta Braves, you know, you spring train record at Disney. So the family, friends come in, you get to work in, you hit Disney. But everything else is pretty pretty much the same to where, yeah, you're coming into the clubhouse, going out to the backfields until everybody get there. And then you move over to the main field. But it's pretty much the same, you know. You just, you know, getting in, getting your work in and, you know, out in the mornings, do the PFP, bunt defense, all the different defenses and, then you go in for your lunch and relax and then go out for that one o'clock game to where, you know, it's like the season. You're playing every day at one o'clock or sometimes mixing a night game to get the feel, but it's pretty much Groundhog's Day. Man, did you ever have a situation? I don't know if you saw this or not, but they had a video a week or two ago. It was the Cardinals down in spring training and they were the, the pitchers were trying to field uh, live balls. Uh, did, did you see what I'm talking about? No, I missed that one, but yeah, you know, we do PFP and, you know, sometimes guys, you know, catch one off chest, catch one off the forehead, and you know, I, I'm you're rusty, just, but you got to get in front of it. I'm just saying, I felt bad for Adam Wainwright. He he looked like he he hadn't had a glove on in, in quite a while, and they were out there just uh, torturing the poor guy, the, the old timer, well, trying to give him a. Give well, him sometimes a, they tell you you got to step on it and kill it, because sometimes that ball is like a snake; you never can catch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at, at what point in spring training did you absolutely just say, you know what, I'm just ready for the season to start. Let's just get on with it. Like when did that set in when you guys just got stir crazy cabin fever, whatever it is, you're ready to be done. First, first year of spring training. It's, it's, it's just, <laughs> you don't want to be there at all. Right. No, it's a point where I understand it's for the fans and spring training is kind of like for the starting pitchers, you know, relievers, we come in, we can be ready in a week or two. Hitters can be read in a week or two. It's all about them starting pitchers. You know, them guys got to you stretch it out. You know, one week they go two innings. Next week, four innings. Next inning, five innings to where they can get up to, you know, 75 to 100 pitches going into April. But for relievers, man, it's just, you know, like you itching at the bit because you may pitch once every three or four days. And then as a veteran guy, I knew what I needed to be ready for opening day. So I started backwards to where I knew opening day was April 2nd. I won April 1st off. And then throw a bullpen, you know, maybe March 31st. And then spring training, I went backwards. Okay, last spring training, I went two days before at least spring training. I'm on the off day. So I went all I went backwards all the way until say February 22nd was our first game. So I knew exactly when I was gonna pitch in spring training. Uh, Some guys coming from the East Coast where they haven't thrown a lot, where guys live in Arizona was outside and get it acclimated quicker. So you always try to plan because if you look at April, a lot of relievers go through that dead arm stage where it's like, man, he's only throwing 90, 91 because he kind of overdid it coming into spring training to where he went through that dead arm period. And you have to learn, especially some of the younger guys, you know, you can't make the team on the first day, but they try. 
So that brings up something I, I was asking, you know, my boys here about a, a week or two ago was, uh, you know, DeGrom shows up on like the first day pitchers report and he's throwing 99. Like I, that, if I'm a Mets fan like that, that scares me a little bit because I know he's progressively gotten faster the past few years, but my God, you don't want to come out day one throwing that hard, do you? No, you kind of want to work into it. You know, I remember coming in with my first bullpens, I'm throwing, you know, all fastballs and maybe makes in some change ups, but I'm going, you know, 80, 85% to where I get, you know, a week or two in because, you know, you come to spring training, you're giddy. You hadn't done anything all winter. I remember Greg Maddox used to joke. He's like, I put on my spikes right before spring training because most, the thing that hurt the most is my feet from day one to day two. <laughs> so your body got to get adjusted to it because, you know, you've been sitting around and you've been doing some things, but when you actually get on that rubber or get on that mound, you kind of want to turn it up a little bit. And you don't want to do that too fast, too soon, because, you know, you see a lot of guys get hurt in spring training and, you know, you're no good. And, you know, on a DL in April. So, hey, I know last time we talked, it was kind of at the early stages of the season. We know we had a lot of rule changes and stuff last year. Uh, did, did you do a good job keeping up with the, the game throughout the uh, shortened season last year? Well, I kind of watched it some to where, you know, you started looking at it to where, are they going to play tomorrow? Is the game going to get canceled? Or, you know, what's the COVID protocol? Is someone break right. protocol to where I didn't really get into it until the playoffs? And, you know, even though it was, you know, hibernated playoffs, the other team made it in, but it was some pretty good baseball. You know, the Marlins come out of nowhere. That series with the Braves and the Rays and, you know, the Dodgers series. It was some, it was some good baseball. And I think it was really exposed to where a lot of people watched it now because there's really want anything to do. To where the game has changed to where, you know, Whitey Herzog, Tony LaRusso may manage them games different than Dave Roberts and, you know, Kevin Cash to where, you know, I'll be on record. I think Cash lost that series by trying uh, to, you that, know, analytics too much. Hey, that's where I was going to go next just because you're a guy that did come out of the bullpen. And, like, we all know Snell was dealing in that game, and I am by no means a a Rays fan. But I was, I was standing up for that game, and when they – pulled the hook after that little bloop over second base. I couldn't believe it. And, and then it just fell apart afterwards. But if have you ever been in a situation like that before? I, not necessarily on that stage, but my God, when they brought in um, the reliever, and I can't, it's escaping me who, who it was, but they bring him in and the Dodgers are like, they're up and they're giddy. They're like, oh my God, they're taking Snell out. Like they're so excited. And then it just fell apart from there. But I'm with you, man. Cash, stupid move. Well, you just look at it. I remember in spring training with Bob Gibson. He used to tell a story. Bob Gibson would look down at the bullpen and see who's warming up. He'd tell Rich, and he's like, no, nah, that guy, he don't look too good warming up. Or that guy was out late last night. I'm going to finish this game. Or you look at a Nolan Ryan to where, okay, Nolan Ryan threw 182 pitches to a complete game to where he's like, if I start this game, I'm going to finish it. And I know you got to respect your manager, respect the game, but I think me and Cash would have had a few words to where I may have got a fine because they may pick some on that hot mic where I'm telling them I'm not coming out of the effing game. Well, I could, I could read his lips, and he was not praying when they took him out of the game. <laughs> no, you look at it to where you only give it a one hit, and it was a bloop. To where you look at the Dodgers, like you said, they probably – they may give Snail a uh, World Series ring. I know, right? Or, or at least Cash, you know, one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, some some of these uh, other guys like Herzog and, and LaRusso. LaRusso back with, 
you know, the, the White Sox, who seem to be poised to be a good team. How do you think his managing philosophy will translate in today's game with these younger players? Well, even though Tony's an old school player, but Tony always going to put you in a matchup where you're going to succeed. If a guy does succeed under Tony, then he's had mentally or physically prepared himself because Tony's all about the matchups where he's going to put you in a situation where he feel like it's the best matchup for you and the best matchup for the team to where, you know, he's going to pick your brain to spring train. He's going to get to know you. He's going to quote unquote get a pulse beat on you to where can this guy perform a high pressure? Is this guy that I need to put in up by two or three runs? can do it or here's a guy that only can pitch up quote unquote in the mop-up duties but get us through there to where he's gonna have a feel of every guy in the lineup to where you look at for us in the 04 series against Clemens where Roger Daniels a lifetime 220 230 hitter but Clemens he's a 500 hitter you walk in the clubhouse he's hitting a five spot and mm -hmm. what happens you get two hits probably help us win the game so He's always going to look at matchups and, you know, he's old school where it's not analytic, but it's black and white. In baseball, black and white doesn't lie. If you're a 270 hitter, you may hit 210 in April, but at the end of the year, you're going to hit 270. So, it, you know, old numbers come to light in baseball. I'm excited to see what uh, what the old man can still do because that, that team's definitely poised. So have, have you watched uh, to see much of the, the roster changes that we've had here in the offseason? Do you have any any – any opinions on anybody that got better, anybody that's that's going to make a serious push? I, I know last year it was easy for us to sit around and talk about the Yankees and the Dodgers, and half of that was true. But what are your thoughts coming into this season? Have you paid much attention to any of that? Well, if you got to send David Price to the bullpen, I'm still picking the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to where you, know, you pick up, you know, you got Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, and Bueller, and, you know, Price, and to where that staff is amazing, but I still like, you know, Atlanta's still going to be tough. You know, they didn't make a ton of moves, but they got Ozuna back, so they're still going to be tougher. Freddie's still hitting their lineup, that young pitching staff to where oh, yeah. I think they learned a, not a lot in that playoff series last year to where, you know, Max and all them guys to where now they got a little notch on the belt and a little swagger. Okay, we know we got there. Now we need to know to get over the hump. He likes that the White Sox. You know, I like to see them with some fans in their stands and them young kids fill off off the electricity with the fans going in, so they, they're going to be trouble. Uh, and the Blue Jays, you know, you look at the Blue Jays, they did a lot this all season, you know, picking up some guys and, you know, Vladdy coming in in shape and some other guys come in to where, you know, they're going to be good. I look at the Blue Jays a lot like how the Padres were last year. They still got a lot of young players, and we'll see if their pitching can kind of hold up and, and help them stay in ball games. But I know a lot of people are high on the Blue Jays. I I think the uh, the AL East, it's the Yankees or the Blue Jays. I think the Rays fall off, and, and everybody else is just going to be a step behind. Yeah, I think the Rays, you know, they use that whole small market money ball situation, but they dismantle a big part of that team. A lot of guys left to where you take your number one guy out of your rotation, some other guys left that team. To I tell everybody, if you're a number three or four guy, you go to one or two, you're gonna be facing the Scherzers and Strasburg's one and twos, and it's a different, you know, because it's a mental game. It's like if I'm a three or four, I make a match up this guy, but I'm a three lash and I'm going to the number one in rotation to where sometimes you mentally beat because you look on those sides like, oh man, it's a Cy Young winner, or this guy won 18 games to where you can't get beat. But the best thing about baseball is you know, like I said, come April, everybody's 0-0 and, and the cream rises to the top. That's right, man. So e even though it's uh, March 11th, this will air March 12th, if you had to give me a prediction right now, what two teams are going to meet in October? Yeah, I still got to go to Dodgers, 
And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I, I think the Blue Jays are going to wow. be right there in the mix. And is that you know, who are you are you taking them? Is, is that who you're taking? One or two guys, and they may be there. Okay, because you got them young guys that they don't know any better. <laughs> they don't know what they're not supposed to do yet. No, right. Uh, I appreciate the big balls taking that pick, man. Not that everybody's going to do that. You know, they're a homeless team. They don't have a home, so why not us? Shock uh, the world. Are they still not going to have a home? No, I think they're going to start out down in Florida. Oh, man, that's that's crazy. I, I forgot all about that. That was a big thing for them last year. Hell, they couldn't even find a place to play for a while. Right. Mm. Man, you know what? You, you get forged in the iron and the fire, right? That's what will happen. That's what I'm saying. You know, you just throw it out there and, you know, see what happens. Mm. All right. So I, I mentioned something to you before we started talking. So I, I saw this uh, about the minor league doing some rule changes. I just want to throw this out there to you because last time we talked, you were real adamant against like baseball trying to change things up. Like I know you're, you're not a fan of the DH, right? Like you hate that, correct? Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of the DH. I think, you know, National League Baseball, like, you know, you shorten your game and, you know, American League Baseball already sat back waiting on a three-run homer. So now you add a DH and uh Nationally, you add more time to the game, and I think the game should play in two and a half, two forty tops. Nah, I, I'm with you hundred percent. So here's what they're talking about doing some experimental things in minor league, and I don't have the specific details, but one of them is they're going to they're going to change how much you can do a defensive. Uh, uh, I completely lost my train of thought. A shift? How much you can do a shift? So uh, how do you feel about that? Should you limit the ability to do that, or should you just tell everybody they got to learn to hit against it? No, I, I think you got to play straight up. You know, you look at the, you know, the early starts of baseball when the baseball game was designed. You put nine guys in a, in a position, and how many times out of that, each guy come up, they hit it to one of them nine guys, to where I think you you start doing all the shift and all that. I just think it started messing with the integrity of the game, and yeah, I just never liked that shift. You know, you see, look up, and there's no guy at third base, and. You know, no, you know, bringing five infielders in, no guy in left field playing this. And I guess some guys look at it like, you know, the only way to stop them using the shift is put a butt down third baseline or sit back and hit it. But, you know, I think guys not going to change their approach. And it's kind of like that catch 22, but I'm not a fan of the shift at all. All right, so that that was one of the things that they're talking about doing in uh, in minor league. Here's another one. This affects pitchers big time, limiting the amount of pickoff attempts. I didn't say how many or how that would work, but that that one seems real bizarre to me. Well, I think if you limit, you tell me a base runner he can only pick off twice. On the third time, I'm going. Willie May Hayes may have 300 steals, right? <laughs> I know. Like, how big of a lead are you? Are you going to put a line of chalk in the sand so you can't go like so far on a lead too? Like, how does that even work? I know the way they keep going on. Molly was put everything on RBI baseball and let Rob Beer hit again, right? There you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so those are those are the two big ones. The other one was they said they were going to do bigger bases, which I don't even understand why you would want to change that at all. Only thing I could say bigger bases is you know you, you ever seen a orange for safety measures where guys you know can't come down on top of ankles and. Things like that. That's the only reason I can see them changing that. But other than that, leave the game alone. You know, it's been great for a hundred some years and we keep changing what a pitch you got to throw so much. And, you know, 
starting with a California rule, running on second base. You just you mess with integrity game. Let the game play. And, you know, talking about playing two seven innings and stuff with a double hitter. I'm like, no, let's play the game. Nine innings, end of the game. If it's tied up, you play to somebody score. And, you know, same thing. You should use your pitching better. Right. It is what it is, man. Don't 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 change the sacred game of baseball. But I think they're incensed on doing so. And this is something I, I said to my buddy earlier was uh, the the game of baseball is starting to turn into like the NBA a little bit. Where in the NBA, all it is is people shoot threes and they dunk. They're, they've lost the art of the mid range and ball movement and stuff like that. And in baseball, it's all home runs and strikeouts now. Like we've lost all the stuff in between here, and it's driving me crazy. It's, it's ridiculous to where we're talking. I was talking to a friend a few days ago. We we're talking about, you know, Tony Gwynn and just say Carlos Stanton. You know, Tony Gwynn struck out, what, eight or 10 times in one year, and Stanton struck out eight or 10 times in a doubleheader. Yeah, I don't think Gwynn ever struck out more than, was it 30 a year? It was something, it's ridiculous. Like it's. But- yeah, to where guys just, you know, they know they go up there, I can hit 45, 50 home runs, hit 222, 30, and I'm going to make. Twenty-five million dollars. Yeah, that's uh, I, chicks dig the long ball. I guess that's that's how it used to go. And to where you look at Scherzer, Scherzer may have three hundred strikeouts this year. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. The pitchers <laughs> look like they're they're doing great. It's like my God, he's got twelve strikeouts in six innings. It's like, well, right. That's because they swing for the fences every time. Um, but uh, man, that's that's all I got for you, Ray. I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Um, I'm so glad you came back. We enjoyed you the first time. I always enjoy talking baseball. We're sorry we didn't have our, all of our co-hosts here with us today. We've had all kinds of technical difficulties creep up on us, but we're determined to talk to you and at least take solace in the fact that West Virginia feels a little better than Arizona does right now. <laughs> hey, anytime, anytime you need, I'm here. I love talking the game of baseball, man. I appreciate you, Ray. <laughs> All right, I got that out of my system, fellas. So we can wrap up the show. We appreciated Ray coming on. That was it's always fun to talk to him, and he's enjoying the uh, wonderful weather down there in Arizona. And he got to go to a couple spring training ball games, so that's always fun. It makes me excited just to go to a sporting event again. But we always like to try to wrap up with some type of pop culture, and we we had a lot of stuff going on this weekend. You know, Biggie, you ended up watching the All Star uh, weekend festivities, so that kind of took your your time away. I ended up. Uh, watching something I think Mr. Brown watched, and then I got something you guys didn't watch. So, Mr. Brown, why don't you go first? I got to watch the sequel of Coming to America. Yes. 30 Was year, it good? 30 I, years you later. You haven't seen it yet, Biggs? I ran into a lady. I took my daughter to have her nails done. There was a lady in there. We got to talk, and she asked me if I'd seen it yet. I said, no. She said, you got to watch it better than the first one. You must watch uh, it. I have man. not seen it. So, so, was it better than the first? Oh, it's not going to be, and I didn't expect it to be. It, it, so, you might hear some spoilers. I'm all right with that. Spoiler alert. So the fact is they brought back the whole original cast, which was amazing. Yeah. So everyone, except for uh, James Earl Jones's wife, the 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 queen, queen, she must have passed away. I don't know. know. We were too lazy to look it up. So everyone was still in it. And what was even funnier, they went, he went back to the barbershop originally that was, you know, in the first one. Yeah. And they kept those characters the exact same. So, like, they should be yeah. dead. Yeah, they never aged. And they didn't age at all. Oh, like, very same. nice. Everyone else aged. Like, <laughs> even, the, even the preacher was, like, way older. He looked like Freddy Krueger on his face. But it was great. I mean, for me, it wasn't – it's obviously the first one was a classic. Yes. But this was good for what it was. And, like, you had cameo, like – 
Wesley Snipes is in it. Yeah. Mm, Plays nah. a pivotal role, actually. Huge role. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's in it. Yeah. Not bring, a big role. Not a big role. But, but good. They, and then you bring out a bunch of different uh, celebrity salt, singers. Salt and Peppa. Yeah. In Vogue. Yeah. And cool. together. What a king. What yeah. a king. So, what a king. What a mighty good king. It's great. James Earl Jones is dying in the movie at the very beginning. So then he's trying to pass the throne, right? But he wants to go to his funeral. So he, he said, I want to have a funeral, but I still want to be alive. So they start the ceremony, and that's when all these singers come out and are singing to him. That's when they're singing "What a King," and he's yeah. going, he's inside a coffin. He's not. He's, he's, he's like standing in a coffin, and then all this is going on, and then he passes away during the ceremony. Mm. Yeah, but uh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it, it was good. It was a good one. It was fun. Like it's look, it's not better than the original, and they even make fun of it. Like there's a scene where uh, two of the characters are talking. And they're they're talking about well, America has the best movies, and they're like only if you like superheroes and a bunch of stupid sequels that don't make any sense. You know, they're throwing shade on themselves. So yeah. you got to that's the tone of the movie. Uh, but it, it was fun. if you liked the first one, you would like it. If you never watched the first one, you watch it, you just be like, what what is this? You know. So, so I just have one question. I haven't seen it. Are there any like belly buster laugh parts of it? Uh, I don't know about belly buster. I, I mean, mean, it was, was consistent. It was consistent. Yeah, you chuckled. Yeah, you yeah. smile. Okay. You'd be like, oh, that's fine. I'm good with yeah. the chuckle. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good movie. It's worth a watch. I would recommend it. If you like the first one, definitely watch it. If you haven't watched the first one, it's hit or miss. Yeah, we'll go back and watch the first one and then watch. So we were talking about this before, and I just got to throw this out real quick. Who has the better voice? Like, if you had to have somebody that's narrate true. your life, is it James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman? Well... That Not guy, to put you on the spot or anything. Frank Caliendo does a lot of different voices. And when he reads things and he decides to read them in. Morgan Freeman. That's his big one, right? Yeah. I just. It's Morgan Freeman. For well, me, it's James Earl. Personally. It's it's more uh, inspirational. I James think. Earl is more, uh, I feel like he's more demanding. You're not wrong in either the presence. He is, yeah. Yes, it's it's a it's a presence. You feel it. You can actually feel the voice. Like when when you're a kid and that, you watch Lion King and you heard Mufasa, yeah. and James Earl, like we was talking about this yesterday. Down. That's what a, a, a king lion would sound like if it could speak. You want to know why it's Morgan Freeman for me? There's Shawshank Redemption. You, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing I'll never wrong. Forget the first with, time uh, I saw Andy Dufresne <laughs> picking James Earl Jones. You're not <laughs> the wrong. Night of his right. Life. It's just when you see that movie, he narrates everything, and I just I love that movie. He and, was a tall drink of water. Ah, <laughs> it's. I mean, they're both great. How yeah. often do you honestly you can't look at go a man wrong shoes? with either? <laughs> you can't go wrong with either. I just think it's a fun conversation. Maybe we should put that on the page. Maybe we should put that put that put it on the poll. We'll ask people who they want to narrate their life. Yeah. Do they want James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman? Fair enough, right? All right. Last thing I got. You you guys know I'm a wrestling nerd. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the business. And yes, guys, I know it's not real, so don't come in here with that jackass bullshit because we know what it is. It's better when it's, I thought it was real. It's entertainment. Yes. When I was a kid, except for that time that uh Jake the Snake had the cobra bite macho, man. They gave me nightmares. Yeah. Either way. Never recovered, have you? No, that was uh, <laughs> anyway. You had <laughs> AEW, who is the upstart promotion. Tony Khan owns it. Dad owns the Jaguars, whatever. They got money. They can throw it all kinds of stuff. So they had a their little one of their, I guess they do four times a year a big show. And overall, it's actually a pretty solid card. Like the problem is for most casual fans, you don't know who half these people are. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm watching it and I'm enjoying some of the action. It's actually not bad. 
and you get to the 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 main event, and the main event is an exploding barbed wire death match, and uh, and just <laughs> so, like something from The Simpsons, right? So <laughs> so it's real big in Japan. They don't wow. happen very often, but really, what it is, they take three of the ropes and they it's real barbed wire, and they had pyro hooked up to it, you know, stuff like that. So if you got if you I, hit the ropes, it explodes. Question for you. Mills Lane, the referee. No, it was not Celebrity <laughs> Deathmatch. Let's get it on. But it was, uh, uh, you know, a la Mick Foley, you know, wrestling and, and Mick Foley, Japan Terry Funk. Yeah, the it, good old it, boys. That type yeah. of thing. So honestly, like these guys, they they killed it, man. Like they had a great match, and there was a thirty minute time limit. And here's the thing: it, who, who like, was in the match? Dean it, Ambrose, it was Kenny Omega, and Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Yep. So at the end of the match, like if it goes thirty minutes, the whole thing just blows up. Right. And, and like I've seen, you guys have not seen this before, but in Japan they have done this and like it's, it's wild. It's insane. So that's the thing you're waiting on. So they have a, a four and a half star, maybe five star match. It's great. But as Vince McMahon always says, the fans will only remember the ending and nothing else. So Kenny Omega retains, he gets help with cheats, all that stuff. And they, they do a number on, on Moxley, right? And so they leave in the ring and then the clock comes up and you realize there's only 30 seconds left. So they, they hightail it out of the ring and one of Mox's friends comes out of the locker room. He's trying to get him out, but he can't. So he just throws his body on top of him. Like, I'm going to save him, you know, like it's the sacrificial moment, right? Clock hits zero. These little sparklers go off. It was like the most sad bastard thing I've ever seen in my life. And the, the thing was, if, if your angle is, it's like, yeah, it didn't really blow up. We were just pulling your leg, you know, blah, 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 that type of thing. That's fine. But the guys in the ring, they're selling it like, cause they're down. They're not seeing it. They just hear it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's sparklers. It's like Gilbert's entrance. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is so bad. Is so bad, and it, it it's it sucks because I want them to succeed and do well, but that is a huge step backwards. Yeah, I gotta say, just listen to you describe it. The fact that it wasn't a over the top fireworks show where you're wondering if one of those guys has injuries and is really going yeah. to the hospital. Like, I'll show you. That's one. a huge disappointment. If you're the upstart, I don't care how much money Con has, you needed that to hit, especially right now. Uh, take as much of the. Like it's it'd be one thing if it does it, and then the guys because Kenny Omega is the one that designed the thing. That was the storyline, right? So if that happens, and then you're on the ramp and you're laughing because they thought it was going to be something bad and it wasn't, that's fine. You can do that story. But when the guys are laying in the ring and needing paramedics after it, and nothing happened, and then like there was this there was this moment after the show went off, the the fans were there and they caught John Moxley on the mic, and he's like. Well, Kenny Omega, he's one tough son of a bitch, but he can't build an exploding ring for shit, <laughs> you know? And, like, that's the route you have to take. But they done sold it like these guys were were murdered by the ring. It was so bad. That's disappointing. It is. But that's that's what I like. And then, you know, Mr. Brown and I were talking earlier. I watched UFC Saturday night uh, and um, Amanda Nunes. Have you ever watched her fight, really? She is the baddest woman on the planet. I, she might be. She, and, she needs to fight guys. Yeah, she may be the best UFC fighter if you just want to look at like per pound fighter in history. I mean, we watched the what like top five knockouts earlier. Like, could you take a punch from her? And with my neck, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it would not go well. 
So I, I ended up watching UFC and I watched wrestling. I did not watch NBA basketball. So I'm still happy with my choice, even though for the lack of exploding ring. It is what it is. Hey, so I got one question. Who did the uh, pyro for that event? Was it the Indian from Joe Dirt who likes snakes it, so, and sparklers? So I saw that meme like a million times over there. I didn't weekend. even see it. No, but that's the that's, that's what I just that's thought of. One of the memes that was like, hey, we found AW's pyro guy. I like snakes and sparklers. <laughs> that's what it is. When the show's done, I'm gonna show it to y'all so you can just go. Yeah, wow, I didn't even see that man. meme. That's so that's bad. what popped in my head. Right. You're, it was it was it was bad. Oh well. Well, fellas, it's been real, but we'll call it a night. And we will see everybody next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Have a good weekend. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast.